0: All Dwe, Dwinioneed andgweor Mangor, Dwe Briod Rachel Atad E Caleb Bach. That is to say that I'm a scientist working in Bangor, and uh, I'm married to Rachel and uh, dad to little Caleb Bach. So today I'm going to um, talk about humility and Naomi, but I've got a story first. So I've got a friend who got a promotion the, uh, um, a few weeks ago. He became the vice president of his department. And unfortunately, I've got to say, it went a little bit to his head. Well, quite a lot. He started to go around talking about it all the time. He would say to his family, now you've got to call me VP Dad or VP Husband. He he just wouldn't stop until eventually his usually very patient wife snapped. Now, she was very, very kind to him, but she just said to him, you know that being a VP isn't that important. Like, they have VPs for all different types of departments all over. Like, even at the supermarket, they have vice presidents for each department, including, like, VP of P's. Now, this guy kind of, you know, took it on the chin and thought, oh, no, 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 but it started to nag away at him. Until eventually he was like, right, I need to find out if there is such a thing as VP of P's. So he called up his local supermarket um, and asked to speak to the VP of peas. The supermarket receptionist responded by asking, oh, okay, uh, which VP would you like? The VP of fresh or frozen peas? Now, we've all met people like that, haven't we? Who go over the top with their importance. And maybe even we have done that ourselves often. I know I definitely have. As you will find out today, I'm gonna be quite honest with a few stories. But today, we're going to be continuing our series on Ezra and Nehemiah, um, looking at the godly characteristics of humility that are shown um, through these stories. So to begin, what do we mean by humility? What can we actually define humility? So just take a moment, chat to the person next to you, say hello if you haven't already. Can you come up with a bit of a definition of what humility is? Have a chat with the person next to you. We've got 39 seconds for this. Okay, let's bring it in. So, we all have different opinions and different ideas of what humility might be. According to the dictionary, the dictionary definition is humility is defined as a way of, uh, of having a low view of one's importance. Or the second kind of category, which I actually think is a better version, is a recognition of self in relation to God. That's in the dictionary, believe it or not. So C.S. Lewis is credited by saying, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. And now that's a really important distinction that I want to start off with. Humility is not thinking that we are unimportant. In fact, often humility is best modeled in important people. But those people that have a more holistic view of their position and their importance that they know that their life does not begin and end at their word. Or to put it another way, modern philosopher uh, Rich Wilson, Ness's husband, who those of you who don't know, um, he's quite a direct talker sometimes, he puts it, <coughs> you are not as important as you think you are that goes along with other classics that Rich comes out with, such as You Will Die. But we're just trying to lift you up this morning. Um, But some truth there, you are not as important as you think you are. You see, humility is the recognition of self, i.e. your importance, your position in relation to God. Now, I know that I am not the best at this sometimes, most of the time. For example, a few months ago, I was interviewed um, while at my running club for uh, S4C, the Welsh uh, language channel. (coughs) So I was interviewed in Welsh about Brexit. Okay. I was so proud of my pending importance outlining the future political standpoint of the nation and Brexit in Welsh that I quickly posted it on the family Facebook group to say, coming soon, rising star of Welsh TV. And a week later, my S introduction was aired. In total, I was on screen for about 1.2 seconds. And I said one word, shambles. <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much summed up my interview, um, actually, how good my Welsh is. And to be fair, it was quite a repre- good representation of Brexit. So, um, you know, I got that one right. Yet there are excellent examples of humility within our community. So Dylan and his influence in the local council. Or Barry, you know, big Barry, trumpet player. Barry is involved in this band, Claregib, which um, in the last week uh, was featured a whole program on S-Pedarek, um following this band to Mississippi and following them around and exploring that. So my 1.2 seconds, and he had a whole hour on the show. But would you know that like this was kind of happening? Would you know about their success? No, because they are so incredibly humble with their successes. They don't think lowly of themselves. They just think of themselves less. Or as a Chinese proverb puts it, be like bamboo. The higher you grow, the deeper you bow. Okay, So let's get back into the story of Nehemiah. We're going to look at Nehemiah 5. So to bring you up to speed, um, in Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the walls and of Jerusalem has begun. Opposition has come very early on. This is still early days, so we're looking at uh, chapter 5. Chapter 6 um, talks about the walls being completed on day 52. So we're within this time frame of the first 50 days. So we'll read uh, from Nehemiah 5, if you've got your Bibles, turn, it will be on the screen as well, um, so you can follow along. So Nehemiah 5, starting from verse 1. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised the cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it. For our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. So, in the first five verses, we see that the people are already complaining about authority, They owe too much money. They are worried about whether they can carry on with this rebuilding project. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer from this community event. This, um, you know, that should be a thing that builds all the people up. So verse six, when I heard their complaints, so this is Nehemiah talking, when I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out. So let's just pause there a second. First of all, what an excellent example of conflict management. He held his anger, thought on it, and then spoke. Now, this is really difficult, isn't it? When something gets us riled up, especially when it comes into families, our communities, our children. But this early lesson in humility, to hold your anger, think on it, and then respond in love. It's so okay, let's let's continue. Verse 6, when I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. When I called the public meeting to discu- to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners. But you are selling them back into slavery again. How often... Must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day. And repay the interest you charged when you lent them the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing from more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds in my robe, my kind of ironing, and said, if you fail to keep your promise, they will make God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole assembly responded, Amen. And they praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. So in this, we see that Nehemiah resolved the issues with honor and leadership. But then he goes on a little bit further. He says, verse 14, for the entire 12 years, I was governor of Judah. From the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of Artaxerxes, nothing Neither I nor my officials drew our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from the other lands. Now, we think that we get a lot of visitors, but that's quite a few, in it? The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days, we needed a large sum of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember, oh my God, all that I have done for these people, and bless me for it. So when we're talking about humility, at first this can seem like quite an odd passage, because at the end, Nehemiah goes on this little bit of a rant, being kind of like, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I don't take anything, and isn't it brilliant? But we've got to remember that the story of Nehemiah is very much written from this first person. So it is kind of like a diary account of Nehemiah. It is his conversation with God. And so it is not coming from a place of lack of humility. Yet actually, it's just pointing out the, look, these things have happened. And then he finishes with, remember, oh, my God, all these things that I have done. You know, humility isn't thinking that we're unimportant. It isn't thinking that, like, Oh, I've done all these things, but I'm never, ever going to mention them ever to anyone, especially God. But actually, there is a recognition of these things that happens, yet ultimately gives the glory to God. He humbles himself before God. So an excellent earthly example of sacrificial humility comes from parenthood. And what better way than today, um, on Father's Day, to chat about this because, let's face it, parenthood, um, it more forces us to become humble. For example, last weekend, I've not actually told my dad this story yet. My dad's here, by the way. Um, Not told my dad this story yet um, because I'm a little bit scared of telling my mum this story. But we'll carry on. Marie knows exactly what the story is. So for example, last weekend, I experienced one of the most humbling parental experiences to date. Rachel was away in Swansea for the New Iron Cymru Leaders Conference, meaning I had Caleb for the day. We had begun by cleaning the house, making cake, refilling the wood store, playing. We were generally bossing the daddy daycare thing. We'd ventured out to Aldi for the food shop. It went smoothly. We had a great time. On the way back to the car, I said to Caleb, we are smashing this today, buddy. You know what? I could look after you for a couple of days. Rachel could go and work some more, and now I can have you. How hard can it really be? I put Caleb into the car seat, and as p- is part of the experience, he always asks for the key. So I'm like, "Yeah, okay, here we go. You hold the key for Daddy." Strapped him in, walk round to the driver's side door to get in, get the key off Caleb, and drive home. I get round to my driver's side door and pull the door and it wouldn't open. And I hear a click. Hang on a minute. What's going on here? My door won't open. Click. Caleb's got the keys. Click, click. He's pressing the button. Click. My door still won't open. Click, click. Caleb was locked inside the car. I was locked outside the car, and for 10 minutes, I stood outside of Caleb's window saying, that's it matey, press the other button, <laughs> press the other button, and to a point, he started to then look at me quite confused, and tries to hand me the keys through the closed window, and he's sort of looking a bit like, daddy, like, this isn't how we play this game anymore, and then, drop. He released the keys and they fall to the floor of the car. He's locked inside of the car, I'm locked out. He's strapped into his car seat, unable to retrieve said keys. Fortunately, after quite a while, the alarm did not go off. The support of John and Karen, which in itself was quite humbling to call my in-laws to say, I've locked your grandson in the car, can you help me? Playing Bing, the TV show on my phone, held up to the window to keep him calm. And coming very, very close to thinking I had to break the window to get into the car to get the keys, the AA arrived and were able to wedge the door open and press the button on the keys. Um, But it took over an hour in total. So all in all, a very, very humbling experience. Now, just as an FYI, I don't think I'm quite ready to be ribbed about this yet. It's still quite a raw moment for me. So give it a couple of weeks and then it's fair game. But just give me a little bit more time to process. However, despite my clear lack of humility, thinking that I was smashing daddy daycare, fathers and father figures are often key in the development of our humility. For example, my dad, now, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry during this. And so is he. But my dad is one of the most humble men I know. Whenever I met someone from his work, when you see the commitment to his friends, when you look back over the time he has given me and my family selflessly serving and loving, it is an inspiration. And as many of you know, my dad's been journeying with um, some health challenges in the last few years. And yet he's always maintained a fighting attitude never allowing people to dwell on him, always saying that he is marvelous. But not in a way of kind of like, oh, look at how well I'm doing this and belittling his fight against cancer, yet with the humility of recognizing his humanity, knowing he is in a fight, but not wanting to let it bring him or others around him down. True humility at work. And of course, how could I not mention how he has humbly allowed me to beat him at every sport we have ever played. Or at least he would call it humility if you asked him. Oh, made it through that bit. Good. So you see, often humility is only seen as when someone is doing well and doesn't boast about it. Yet also humility comes in challenging times. In our Ezra story the people are about to head off to Jerusalem, but they are afraid they will be attacked on the way by bandits on the road that are known to target travelers. And in the story, Ezra doesn't respond by saying, oh, you know what? We need more help. Like, let's go to the king again. He's already said that we can go and, and rebuild, but like, let's go and ask for loads of armies and different things to keep us safe. Instead, he says, we need to fast and pray. We need to humble ourselves before God, recognizing that he is God and who we are in relation to him. There is a personal response of dependence. Knowing that in their own strengths, the road ahead is filled with danger. Yet with humility, they bow to the creator of the universe, their God. So how from positions of power and positions of challenge can we develop this godly characteristic of humility that is shown in Nehemiah and Esmer. Well, ultimately, it comes down to our personal pursuit of God, practicing the ways of Jesus, intentionally making those decisions that change us from the inside out. Those daily decisions that over time automatically become part of who we are. You know, like when you move something from one place in a kitchen to another, and you just always keep on going back to that cupboard for the tea bags. Because it is such a learned behavior. And that is what we want to do with the godly practice of humility. That the daily decisions we make, we just keep on going back, keep on going back, that it becomes automatic. Or as the author Eugene Peterson calls it, it's the long obedience in the same direction. This long commitment to journey forwards to the same place knowing that daily we are making decisions to lay down some stuff. Yet what stumbling blocks should we be aware of? Well, fear. Fear turns our eyes from, ourselves to, from others to ourselves super, super quickly. So things like a fear of not being good enough, a.k.a. the imposter syndrome. This is a huge block to humility and lots of other challenges spiritually and mentally. I think we've all had imposter syndrome at some point. Like on the screen, it kind of shows this, like imposter syndrome, what we know and what we think others know is really out of proportion. Yet in reality, people tend to know a similar thing about us. We overlap in some areas, but not others. But, you know, with imposter syndrome, we think everyone knows everything that we know and so, so much more. Imposter syndrome can lead us to think we are not good enough to begin, so we begin to inflate our importance and to project this impression of what we think others think we should be like. But you know what? It's okay to not have it all together. The truth is none of us have it all together. Both you and I and others are really, really welcome here in this space, whether they've got it together or not. We don't want to be a church of people that does not invite people in or that people feel as though they've got to have their stuff together before they can turn up because they've got to be right. No, people can come in, journey and get to know Jesus on this long obedience in the same direction. Fear as well can lead us, um, fear of not being accepted can also lead us away from humility into searching for affirmation in all of the wrong places. It might be good to ask yourself, who do you listen to? Whose opinions matter most in your life? For example, does what the other mums do or buy their kids influence how you spend your money and what you get your kids? Does social media, the number of likes, who likes, who comments, who, how you portray yourself dictate your self-worth? Does the, way you think, does the way you think other people see you impact you disproportionately? Comments about your hair or the praises you get from your boss or the number of people in positions of influence you know, does that impact your self-importance? Who do you listen to? Or maybe it's a constant desire for more. A lack of contentment that stops you from pursuing the godly character of humility. In today's society, with advertising everywhere, bombarding our senses, a new phone that is so much better than the last one because it has a larger screen. No, 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 wait, what is it now? It has a smaller screen for portability. No, 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 it is a larger screen so we can watch YouTube, but it doesn't have the edges anymore So you get that extra millimeter, you get the point. Or is it the car you drive, the house you live in, the size of your TV, the amount you earn, your fragrance, your clothes, even your shampoo is advertised and put forward as, well, you better not be using that shampoo. Use this shampoo because it's got caffeine in it. It's so easy to fall into this cultural acceptance of more is better, of go further, chase after the next good feeling. You don't just need the latest thing. You deserve the latest thing. The desire for more eats away at our contentment. So we inflate our importance thinking we need more. But actually, we need to slow down. Be grateful for the blessings we already have. Humble ourselves before God and others in awareness that we are not as important as we think we are that we are actually more blessed than we could or should ever have dreamed dreamt or imagined so through time with god a long obedience in the same direction recognizing him and recognizing our identity as a son or daughter will lead us into this reduction of fear a reduction of desire And an awareness of self in relation to those around us. So as I was preparing for this talk, um, I came across an old Catholic litany or a prayer that has been used for centuries. um, That is a reflection on humility. It goes through different aspects of humility um, that can easily create fear or desire within us. And just asks God, humble me before it. And it finishes By lifting our eyes to um, God, to those around us, and bowing like bamboo, thinking of ourselves less often. So today, to finish with, um, I would like uh, for us to pray this prayer together. And I have um, some uh, copies of it here. So, Tracy, do you want to start to pass those around? And I think it would just be good for us to pause for a minute before we uh, come to a close and before we go into um, just a final song of worship. Just to take a moment to reflect on humility. To take that time to let these words sink into our heart. Like, we've printed them out because I think it would be great if us as a community can... um, Go out uh, from here and each day this week, take five minutes just to reflect on this prayer. Just for five minutes each day to stop and say, you know what, God, I'm just going to pursue humility. Like, wouldn't it be great if we know that everyone in our community is doing this and that we're all journeying towards this? So can I activate as if you are able, can you stand Um, If you'd like to stay seated, that is also fine. But if you are able, please stand. And I'm just going to pray this prayer over us. So let the words sink into your heart. Maybe if there's certain aspects of this that just bring up things that you begin to see, like a picture of, oh, hang on a minute, yeah, I know that I do that then maybe reflect on that a little longer. But let's pray. So first of all, God, we just invite you in. And we say highlight those areas now, God, that may be stumbling blocks to us fully pursuing the godly character of humility. So Lord Jesus, gentle and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being admired, humble me Jesus From the desire of being loved, humble me Jesus From the desire of being raved about, humble me Jesus From the desire of being honored, humble me Jesus From the desire of being praised, humble me Jesus From the desire of being preferred to others, humble me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, humble me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, humble me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, humble me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, humble me Jesus. From the fear of being told I'm wrong, humble me Jesus. From the fear of being wasted, humble me Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, humble me Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, Humble me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, humble me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, humble me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus give me the grace to desire it. That others may be admired more than I, Jesus give me the grace to desire it. That in worldly popularity, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. Amen. Amen. So do take a copy of this away, and each day, just take that five minutes just to let that settle in our hearts as we, as a community, journey towards greater humility. I'm going to invite the band Um To come and um, yeah, just lead us in a.